for, you know, as, as you've given it to us in James. Lord, I, I pray that you would take distractions away from me. And, and Lord God, that it wouldn't be me speaking, that, that I would uh, just let the Spirit flow out of my mouth. And Father God, I pray that um, you know, folks here would be discerning, that they would come to know you more through this time, and that, that the Word would find a place in their hearts. In Christ's name, amen. So um, we're on part three of James. Uh, we're going to be working our way through James for the next couple months. Um, and, and actually, I, I, uh, I, as, I, as I've been preparing for this message, I, I did the study that everybody did this week, and I did, how many of you all did the study, by the way? A few of you, did you like it, is the question. Is this something I should keep doing? All right, I heard a few yeses. I didn't hear any no's, but, I, <laughs> but I'm assuming that's all right. Um, the, uh, the interesting thing actually, um, as I, as I've been preparing for this and looking at it is that, well, the illustration that I want to, well, heck, I'm off today, guys. Let me pray again. I'm sorry. And we'll, we'll see if I can get myself together. Um, my wife's shaking her head at me. Uh, Father God, please, uh, just help me to focus here. Um, help me to, to, um, come at this from the angle that is right in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so my wife does these uh, exercise videos every day. You guys, have, I mean, because she exercises. Oh, I'm going to get hit. Um, <laughs> she 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 actually exercises more than I do, and and it's why it's great to be a guy because like I don't have to exercise and I lose weight, and and she exercises harder than I do and starves herself and everything else and it's it's harder for her. Um, and and sometimes I'll I'll come into the living room and she, you know or first thing in the morning and I've got my first cup of coffee. And I don't do anything until that first cup of coffee is drank. You know what I mean? No amens, really. <laughs> and I'll, I'll sit down on the couch, and, and the kids are sitting with me, and you know I, I'm not going to go do anything else until I drink that first cup of coffee. And so I'll sit there, and she's doing you know aerobics or yoga or weightlifting or whatever, and the guy on the screen is telling her what to do, and I'm, I'm drinking my coffee. And sometimes I'll pick up junk food, and I'll sit, and I'll drink my coffee, and I'll eat my junk food while she exercises. Um, and, and that's right. I am a bad person. Um, but, but at the end of that, that, you know, hour or whatever it is that she's exercising, she's, she's going to reap a benefit from doing it. Right. If I sit there the whole time and I eat cookies and I drink my coffee, what am I getting out of it? A- actually, yeah, nothing, maybe a good show. Um, but that's, that's wholly aside. Like I, I, I gain no benefit if I watch the aerobics video, if I listen to the aerobics video, even if I concentrate on it real hard, I get absolutely no benefit from it unless I get up and do it, right? And, and watching me do aerobics would be scarring to the children. And so, and so I wisely choose not to. Um, but, but, you know, I'm opening with this because the section of James we're looking at, James begins to, like he started... Um, in the beginning of the book, and this was two weeks ago, we looked at like enduring hardship in life. When we go through periods of time in our life where the world is just stepping on us, and and we're we've got this weight we're carrying, and we can't seem to shoulder it, and it just seems like like it's going to crush us. And James gives advice for that. He says, "Listen, if you don't know how to get through it, pray for wisdom, and God will help you." Um, God will take care of you if you trust him and you pray for wisdom. He'll give you direction. But the crazy thing about that is wisdom is knowledge that's applied, right? Everybody with me? Wisdom is, is knowledge, is the truth, but it is the truth that's applied. 
Um, you cannot have wisdom if it, is, if it doesn't have a transmission, right? If it ain't moving forward, it ain't wisdom. And so, like, like there's this key element there, um, and that plays into what we're talking about, and that's why I'm touching base with it because it's important to understand. If you have the truth and that truth ain't doing nothing, it ain't wisdom. Am I getting coffee? I have another cup right there. <laughs> Thank you, honey. <laughs> I can. I, wow, that was rough. <laughs> um, the second sermon was on temptation. Like, like in the second section of the book, he talks about temptation, and he says, "Listen, when you are tempted, when sin is inside you and it is alive." Temptation is literally this sin that jumps up, gets alive, you do nothing to stop it, and it drags you off, right? Temptation is something that comes from within you. It is not something God puts in front of you. It is when the wickedness that is natural in all of us, and it is natural in you as it is in me. And so, like, if you look at the guy next to you and you say, you are much worse than I am, um, my wife might be correct today, but generally, if you're looking at the guy next to you and you're saying you're much worse than I am, you're wrong because we're all capable of amazing depths of sin. Like, we can, we can do it. Believe me, we have a gift. It's an inborn natural gift, and it's not a good gift. Um, and ultimately, sin is when we allow ourselves to passively be dragged off, right? Be dragged off, and that's inaction in response to temptation, which is, by the way, the opposite of wisdom. See the trend here? So as we jump into this section, James... Um, I had a whole thing there that I didn't, didn't use. So um, James starts out with a phrase that is taken from, like, wisdom literature. Now, if you were an ancient Jew, which most of you aren't, um, Craig's pretty old, uh, <laughs> um, you would recognize this word form because it's, it's something that would be a very common phrasing. And folks would look at it and they'd be like, oh, he's using wisdom literature. The reason that I'm pointing that out is because wisdom is the common recurring theme. Got that? If you're having difficulty, look to God and he'll give you wisdom, which means truth to be applied to help you overcome. If you're struggling with temptation, you lack wisdom because you are not applying truth in your life and you are being dragged off by your own sin. Got it? So as we start out and he says, listen, I'm going to give you a line from wisdom. It's a pay attention moment. Okay? And so he starts out. In the exercise of his, we're actually going to back up to 18, I'm sorry, we're doing 19 to 27, but 18 sets this up. Um, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Um, Now, word of truth refers to, like, the scriptures, right? And it also refers to the Holy Spirit, like, acting through the word of God, right? And, And ultimately, like, it's a bigger reference to Jesus died for your sins to make you a new creation. Everybody got that? Um, but the scriptural element is important there because he's about to dive into a whole discussion of the scriptures, okay? And so he says that he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be the, a kind of first fruits amongst his creatures, meaning that our lives would be an offering to him. Um, we're going to jump into, this is the wisdom literature line. This you know, my beloved brethren, meaning you guys know this, um, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You're going to hit pause there. That's 19 right there. Um, that quick slow is a, is a standard format for like a proverb or for a bit of wisdom literature. And so an ancient Jew would read that and they'd be like, oh, wait a minute, this is wisdom, right? And it actually is kind of wise. Um, 
I'm going to ask a question primarily of the married folks, but I know it's going to apply to everybody. But um, and specifically, husbands, how often have you been slow to hear and quick to speak? More than once. How does it work out? Everybody else, how does it work out when you are quick to speak and slow to hear? Very badly, right? Um, Very badly. Thank you. I got an amen chorus. It's great. Um, (laughs) So he says, listen, be quick to hear, meaning slow down and pay attention. Um, Why? Because um, there's a... There's a degree of humility in backing up and listening, isn't there? Is it hard to hear direction or advice from another person? Um, Particularly if you're inclined toward frustration or irritation or anger. Um, Wisdom wisdom pauses. Wisdom thinks. Wisdom considers. Wisdom doesn't jump. Now, this is a tough one for me. I'm a ready-fire-aim guy, right? Um, some of you have been with me when I've shot at gophers, and you know that aim isn't always even on that list. Um, it's more ready, fire, 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 reload, fire, 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 fire. Maybe I should start aiming. 22 shells are hard to get. You know, kind of thing. Like, like, but that's not wise. Ultimately, what he's talking about here is he's saying, listen, um, slow down, slow down, slow down. When you face temptation, when you face trial, when you face difficulty, when you stand in front of somebody who doesn't know Jesus or when you're standing in front of somebody who does know Jesus, slow down and don't just talk. When you're inclined to be frustrated or angry or say something stupid, listen, right? Listen. Jess is smiling at me because she knows that I'm terrible at this. Um, And so I speak from a, hey, this is wisdom, this is not Eric. Um, Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why are we to be slow to speak and slow to be angry? Well, first off, the be quick to hear, slow to speak is actually from Proverbs. But the slow to anger, um, I, I'm going to tell you a hard truth. Anger makes you dumber. Isn't it true? Anger makes you intensely dumber. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I got... <laughs> Do you need a break? <laughs> um, a- anger makes you do stupid things. It just does. And he goes on, he says, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now watch this. What he's saying here is, your anger will not help you be right before God. Right? Out of a position of anger, you are very seldomly going to do things that are like in harmony with what God expects of us. Does that make sense? It is really hard to, out of anger, turn the other cheek when somebody mistreats you. Isn't it? It is really hard to, in anger, pray for somebody who is, like, wronging you. Doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to do. It is really hard to, in anger, honestly, resist temptation. I'm telling you as a guy who has given in to temptation more than I care to talk about this morning, that when I'm angry, I'm more likely to do things that are wrong. Right? Um, as a guy who's worked with addicts for, golly, since I, I've had a license for eight years to do it, so like six, six, eight, six. I can't even count. Um, seven, thank you. Um, and, and I've had this license, like I, working with addicts, most addicts I know, anger, depressed, frustrated, or actually hungry, angry, lonely, tired, 
are the, are the four. But angry generally is a precursor to falling on your face, right? Anger is a great way to mess yourself up. James is focusing on it because if you want to be righteous, if you want to be right before God, like we have to learn to slow down before anger jumps out, right? We have to learn to hit the brakes. We have to learn to not speak. We have to learn to listen. We have to learn to pay attention to what God has for us because it is so very easy to do. But ultimately, acting on your own out of anger will not produce like this right relationship with God, this objective. And if you're a believer, this is your like path, right? This is your path. You are on a path to being in right relationship with God, to emulate Christ in your life. We're going to go on here. Um, 21, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Putting aside literally means stripping off like removing clothing, right? Got to love that the different authors, like of the New Testament, use the same kinds of phrases. If you want to find this one, you can see it in Paul. You can see it, I believe, in Peter as well, um, where this idea of like taking it off and putting on a new life, right? Um, And this is what we're called to do. The reason we are to put off anger or like put off, he's talking about this, you know, don't jump into your anger, don't jump into your judgment, don't jump into your self-righteousness is because like we're supposed to put all that stuff off. Um, And in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Um, There's two phrases there, two words there that are applied to the word, applied to scripture, applied to teaching. The first is um, receive, and the second is implanted. All of you are hearing what I'm saying today, right? Like our hearing impaired systems working right? Um, So, so, and and most of y'all are awake? Um, all of y'all are hearing me. Some of y'all have grown up your whole lives sitting in church services and hearing pastors stand up and say this stuff. If you have done that, those seeds are implanted in you, right? Ain't no one way or the other. You've heard it, and it is in you. However, however, that is right there on the couch watching the exercise video. Got it? You have gotten to the point where you have turned the video on, (laughs) where you are are watching the, the overly chipper person jump up and down and yell at you. I'm not very chipper, but I should drink more coffee, apparently. Um, <laughs> I know. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you are watching it like that is that implanted thing. If the word is implanted in you, it is hit its mark. It is in your soul. It is in your mind. There are lots of folks that hear it and never do a thing with it. Isn't it true? Lots of us hear it and don't do a thing with it. It is easy. It is easy to hear. It is easy, in fact, actually to hear and get distracted and think, you know who really should be listening to this? Anybody done that? Anybody doing it right now? <laughs> Don't point. <laughs> um, it is easy to end up in this spot where we hear it and the seed lands, but it never takes hold and it never becomes anything because we don't get off the couch and do the work, right? We end up like Eric watching Jessica do aerobics, right? I'm enjoying the show, but I'm not exercising. Um, I love you, honey. I'm going to sleep on the couch tonight. Um, which is able to save your souls. He closes, closes with that because salvation, us being saved, us being saved from our sins, us being made into new creations in Christ, part of the process there is us getting up and doing it, Right? Um, the Spirit will convict you. The Spirit will move and challenge you. Some, some of y'all, that's happening right now. But if you don't respond, like, you don't get anything. Nothing's coming out of it, 
This isn't to say that work is going to earn you salvation. You cannot be good enough to be right before God. You can only be right before God as a result of faith in Christ. That is the only way to be clean and whole and new and everything else, right? The only way. But work is a part of the process because work is a response. It's like breathing, right? I remember when Titus was born, there was this like 40-second point where he didn't make any noise. And, and my, I heard my wife say, like, breathe, child, <laughs> right? And there wasn't anything wrong. It was just that gap, I guess. There's a gap, and it seems like much longer than it was. It was probably only like two seconds, but, you know, when you're waiting for the baby to start screaming, it's the only time you're ever are happy to hear it happen. Um, <laughs> no amens on that, really. Um, <laughs> the only time you're happy to hear it happen, it seems like forever. Breathing is a part of being alive, right? In the same way, if you are spiritually alive, if you have faith in Christ, responding to the implanted word is a part of being alive. You have to get up and do it. Um, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word who delude themselves. This should sound like a recurring phrase, right? Delude yourself. Do not lie to yourself. We talked about that at length last week. This is, again, and actually he's going to use the phrase again later. If you lie to yourself and say, I have heard it, but it does not turn into anything different. Right. If you listen, you say, you know what? I do gossip. You know what? I do need to work on on this. You know, God is like eighth on my list. You know, I I don't really love my spouse the way I should or I don't really treat my neighbor the way I should or I carry around a lot of resentment and anger and jealousy and frustration. I know that's there. And you're like, well, I should really work on that. See you guys. That's self-deception. You are lying to yourself if you believe that that simply hearing the word and not acting is okay. Um, I don't say this to step on your toes because like part of what's got me distracted this morning is I was reading and studying last night, like in sort of this last minute prep time. And I, I was like, wow, I really got to work on some things. Right. And so I say this from a place of conviction as a place, a guy who's not doing this great. If you are not getting up and acting, there is no life in this, right? You are lying to yourself about it. Um, and I said that very bluntly and I, I said it bluntly because I love y'all. Um, not because I want to be mean or not because I want to anything else, but because I love y'all and you need to know, like, the seed plants, right? If it doesn't grow, it's probably in my garden. Um, if it doesn't grow, then it, you might as well not have a garden at all, right? Um, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. I'm going to hit pause, this, this phrase here. Mirrors are oftentimes used in ancient literature in association with moral improvement. Everybody got that? So like when you see him talk about mirrors, like every ancient reader is going to be like, oh, he's talking about making myself better morally because it's a really solid analogy when you think about it. Um, Your natural face, meaning we look at the word of God and when we look at the word of God, part of what we need to see is who we really are, right? If we look at the word of God and we don't recognize that we sin, if we don't recognize that we fall short of God's perfect standard, and you do and I do, don't get me wrong, right? When we look at the Word of God, we need to recognize that that's true, and then we need to make changes, right? We need to make adjustments. We need to make improvements. When I look in the mirror in the morning, if I don't say, oh my gosh, it's pretty bad, I better start making some, you know, um, 
if I had walked in the way I looked this morning when I got out of bed, you guys would be thinking, well, did a homeless guy wander up on stage? Where's Craig at? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. When I first met Craig, I thought he was homeless, and it's apparently come up three or four times since then, and it's really funny. Um, <laughs> and it's out of love. <laughs> um, I, I, no, but if I got up in the morning and my hair was a mess and I needed to shave and I did, needed to brush my little goatee and get some of the cheese out of it and all the other stuff that I had to do in the morning. If I had looked and said, all right, well, time to go to church, um, I, I would look like a bum, right? And guess what? I wouldn't be fooling y'all if I had forgotten that I looked like a homeless person, right? Everybody else is seeing it. The only person who's fooled by the lies we tell ourselves is ourselves. And so when we look at the Word of God, when we look at the truth, when we look at the things that God is presenting to us, if we look and we forget, oh man, I need to spend time in prayer. I need to start forgiving some of these people I got resentment towards. I need to start letting go of my desire to have like certain lifestyles or certain ways of life or certain gifts from God or whatever. I need to let go of my desire to have those things and trust that God is going to give me what I really need. I need to let go of and I need to pick up what God has for me. Or I actually just need to pick up stuff, right? Because sins of commission are, are the same as sins of omission. And so when I look and say, I don't, like, I don't spend enough time talking to God. Like, that's in there, right? The only way it changes us, the only way it changes us is if we look in the mirror and act. If we look at the scriptures and act. For once, this is verse uh, 24, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Um, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed with all he do, in what he does. Now, this is a tricky passage here, so we've got we to gotta be careful with it. Um, he uses the word law here. What he's referring to is, um, he says the law of liberty. Um, he's referring to the law of grace, right? The law of grace is a step away from the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are part of the package. They are not it, right? When we look at the law of liberty, when we look at the law of grace, what we're looking at is the reality that Jesus Christ, God's only Son, saw you, recognized that you have sin that separates you from God, sin that is going to earn you an awful lot of punishment in eternity. Um, I say it because I love you. Um, he came to this earth and he took that punishment for you. Not because of how awesome you are or how cool you are or how much God, you know, everything else, but because of how much he loves you because he is that great. The law of liberty says, Jesus died for my sins. Jesus Christ took punishment. He suffered. He, he just, God heaped his wrath on him in my place. And because he did that, if I have faith in that um, and I follow him, even though I fail at the law, God's spirit will sit in me and change me, right? Um, the law I follow now is the law of Christ. I continue to fail. I continue to sin. But the spirit is dragging me toward holiness, Right? And I need to get up and walk with him, not sit on the couch and eat Oreos. Um, and it's hard, right? Because what we're literally talking about is putting to death a part of ourselves and bringing another part of ourselves to life. And it's the spirit that brings it to life, but we've got to be a part of the package. Um, and so what he's saying is, listen, um, we look at this 
and we abide by it. We act different. We follow Christ. We recognize that every time we sin, it's that much more weight that Christ carried for us, right? That much more. Um, And we do right because we love God and we appreciate what we've been given and because the Spirit is in us. That is the law we're following. Um, That man will be blessed in what he does. That does not mean that if you start doing this, you will have a Corvette or your best life now. Okay? Anybody who tells you that is a liar. Um, The truth of what we're blessed with is we're blessed with freedom, right, from our sin. We're blessed with new life. We're blessed with intimacy in Christ. We're blessed with the fact that we become like Jesus more and more every day. That is the blessing we receive. Um, And honestly, it's the best blessing you can have. Because until you've been chained to your sin and recognize how nasty it is to be stuck in your sin and not be able to break away from it, not be able to like put it away, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, I can't believe I did all that stuff again. I can't believe I fell short again. I can't believe I I gave in again. I can't believe I talked to my wife that way again. I can't believe I didn't do this again. Until you realize the misery, the absolute destitution of being in that spot. Like, Like, you can't really appreciate how much this is, right? And so part of looking at the law is to recognize that we need to change. The other half of it is to understand what it means to be blessed and to be free. Um, it's one of the greatest experiences you can have. It's like a glass of cold water on a hot day. I'm guessing, I know there's a handful of guys here who do farm work, right? And I'm guessing that, that maybe there's some truth in that, right? Like you get out and the heat and everything else and you have your glass of water and it's a little slice of heaven. Um, I remember when I did manual labor once and it was like that. Um, <laughs> 26 to 27. There's a transition here. Um, but it's an important transition. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, now religious, this is actually one of the only times the Bible used the word religion. Isn't that funny? (laughs) If you think that you are religious, meaning your outward lifestyle application of your beliefs, if you consider yourself religious and do not bridle your tongue, um, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Um, I have never ridden a horse, right? Aside from that little one in front of Kmart that you throw the penny in, and it, you know, that is the fullness of my horsing, right? Um, but as I understand horses, that bridle does two things: um, it restrains and it directs. Is that about right? See, I've watched enough John Wayne movies that I got that nailed down. Um, <laughs> And so your own tongue, the words that come out of your mouth, Jesus says in the book of Matthew, actually, he says that um, the stuff you put in your mouth doesn't make you unclean. It's the stuff that comes out of your heart and comes out of your mouth then that makes you unclean, right? And so James says, listen, you need to control your tongue. Why? Because your tongue is a reflection of what's going on inside you, right? And that means not speaking sometimes out of anger and out of self-righteousness and out of self-importance and everything else. Like he started the section right? But it also means speaking sometimes when it's hard, saying things out of love, saying things that are not easy, telling people about Jesus, mind you, is a part of that package. Um, If we are not bridling our tongue, if we're not taking control of it and pointing it in the direction that it's going in, everything that we think we're doing is worthless. Why does he point at the tongue? Is this all-encompassing? No, actually, it applies to all sorts of things. I know folks who say the right thing and do the wrong thing all the time, right? (laughs) But um, I think the reason he starts with the tongue is because what we say um, is simple. 
and it's easy, and it's something that's hard to take a lot of, a lot of arrogant pride in, right? In reality, this is going to apply to everything. Um, but understand, if you're not controlling your tongue, you're not in the right place. Um, he goes on, he says, pure and undefiled religion, um, pure is a positive and undefiled is a negative, right? So it is this and it's not this. Um, they both refer to the way you want your food when it comes out the fast food window, right? Like everybody's deepest fear when they go through the McDonald's drive through is what that high school kid who's making $8 an hour might do to your sandwich before it makes it to your mouth, Right? You want it pure and you want it undefiled. Amen. Does that make sense? <laughs> Got it? <laughs> pure and undefiled, meaning the way it was meant to be with nothing added that's not supposed to be there. If you're at McDonald's, you've already missed that boat. But pure and undefiled religion um, in the sight of, our, of God our Father, meaning what God considers to be perfect, is first is a positive to visit orphans and widows and those in, or in their distress. Why does he start there? Well, orphans and widows are helpless in this culture. Like ancient culture, if you were an orphan or you were a widow, there's a good chance you were going to end up homeless, a panhandler, or a slave. Got it? Like not having a man in the household to take care of you. It's ancient world. It's just how it is. Please don't be offended. Um, not having a man in the household meant you were helpless and you could be in an awful lot of trouble, right? And so he's like throughout the Old Testament... There's more direction to take care of widows and orphans than to give money to the temple. Like, <laughs> kind of interesting, right? Um, he's saying if your religion is going to be real, this isn't all-encompassing. Again, there are lots of other stuff that go with being a Christian. But the first thing, first thing, first thing, if it's going to be pure, if it's going to be meaningful, if the stuff that comes out of your mouth is truthful, is you're taking care of folks that are hopeless, helpless. Let's expand that. This means not just widows and orphans. It means the folks that can't afford to buy themselves groceries. By the way, you should talk to Carly today and walk downstairs and have a look at the food bank, right? It looks full, but, but it's not. And she'll explain to you how not full it is and how much we need support for that. And why? Because part of our job as believers is to take care of those who can't take care of themselves, the helpless, right? Um, and that is a concrete, exact way to get off the couch and stop eating Oreos because you can give them away. Um, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, there are other folks, um, the folks that are, are living in the nursing home and nobody visits them, right? I can't tell you how many times I've gone over there. No, I can't tell you. It hasn't happened that many times. But I, I guarantee you can talk to folks who work there about people who sit in that nursing home and never have visits and die alone. Um, you want to see a group of folks that need folks to love them and take time with them? It's there. Um, it's, this is anybody who's helpless, right? It means addicts, too, by the way. Like, there are folks in our community who are, are addicts, like who are alcoholics, who are drug addicts, who are addicted to pornography and all kinds of other garbage. These folks, like, there's a helplessness to it. Um, and these are people we're called to take care of, the folks who are in jail, the folks who are failing, the folks that are... I mean, real religion is taking care of those folks, not judging them, not preaching against them, not kicking them while they're down, not anything else. It's taking care of those folks. The second half of that, that's pure, undefiled, is um, and keep oneself unstained by the world. That means the stuff that comes into your brain and the stuff you do with your time is not stuff that's making you dirtier, right? I think probably most of you all like thought of one thing in particular right then, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, right? 
I have areas I struggle with with this, right? It means not living in the world any longer. It means being different from when we were sinners. And we're still sinners, but when we were unsaved, when we didn't know Christ. It means being set apart. Um, pray over it. I, you know what? I, there's a temptation for preachers to give rules that don't go to movies, don't sm- drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do, don't dance, don't. I'm not going to do that, right? Because, because I'm going to guarantee you, if you start looking to the Spirit, He'll tell you what's defiling you, right? And most of us like to lie ourselves about that too. But like, look at your heart and figure out where it is. Um, we're going to close in prayer. My challenge for you this week, my challenge for you this week, my challenge for you this week is, if you heard something this morning that challenged you, that cut you, that put you on a spot or made your toes feel sore because Eric wouldn't stop stepping on your toes or, or what have you, if it is right there, get off the couch and do the work. Right? Spend your time in the Word. Spend your time reading, studying, praying, and implementing. Um, because I, you know, when Titus was born, if he didn't start breathing, he wouldn't be alive. If you don't act and live out your faith, there is no life to it. We're going to close in prayer. Um, and thank you this morning for, for being with us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. Um, I pray that you would... Uh, help the folks here to recognize that that um, it's only in faith in our in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we're saved, that we're made new, Lord. I pray that that everybody here would know that. Um, but beyond that, Lord, I pray that you would help them to put it into action and to live it out, um, to be new creations, and to to dig out the areas of their life that need to be dug out, and to to walk the walk the way you meant it to be. Lord God, help us to see ourselves with renewed hearts and renewed vigor. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to close with a blessing, and then y'all can have a great Sunday, um, because I'll be done, right? (laughs) Um, Stand up, and we'll do a blessing. May the God who planted the seed in your heart, may the God who stirred you with faith at one point, may the God who maybe convicted you a little bit this morning, may that God help you act. May he help you stand and be a new person and walk in the direction you're supposed to walk. Amen.